0: beyond grasping with our human understanding and with the understanding of human love, but by your Spirit, I thank you that we can begin to comprehend the depth, the breadth, the height, and the length of it. That love that surpasses our human knowledge. As we recognize it, we realize that we have been filled with all the fullness of who you are. That that very love is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. That we might share that love with others, that those who don't know you, those who are far off like we were at one time, hear of your love. Embrace it, experience the new birth, and begin to fall in love with you after they realize they can love you because you first loved them. You loved us. We're so thankful for that love for us. We're so thankful Jesus that you paid the price of your own precious blood to redeem us unto God, that we might be brought into right relationship and fellowship with you. Thank you that you didn't leave us here without help and without hope, but you sent the Holy Spirit of God, not just to be with us, but to live within us, to empower us, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to anoint us, that we might minister to the sick, The bound, the oppressed, that we might declare that the debt has been paid to those who feel under the labor of the works that they've done or not done, that we can declare redemption. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us, guiding us, and teaching us. I thank you that you come into every home, just as we said, I believe that miracle working power is present. In every home. Healing power is present. I thank you that you connect our hearts with that. For there in Luke chapter 5, the power was present to heal. But they were listening and looking for something else, all except for those four crazy guys that lowered their friend into the room and that man received the healing that was present. So I thank you that miracle working power is present for whatever's needed. And that those who are in need begin to see and understand what you provided and we'll hear testimonies of miracle working power we thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and life tonight by your word and by your spirit in jesus mighty matchless majestic name we pray amen amen praise the lord well it's good to be with you once again uh I'm just so thankful for technology. I'm thankful for all the things that are going on at this time. Uh, I miss you all, uh, and uh, I trust that you miss being here and can't wait till we get back together, but we will uh, be back together. I believe soon we'll be coming back together. Uh, I believe something uh, incredible is taking place in our hearts and our lives. I believe God's doing something pretty incredible. I want to share with you a few things tonight that may in, in some ways seem redundant, but always keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And for some reason this week, as I was processing a number of things, as you know, if you watch this morning, uh, you know, just listening to things, processing, it seemed like the spirit of God was taking what I was listening to and and dealing with my heart about uh, these things that we were hearing about coronavirus. And of course, this morning, we we, uh, spent some time talking about how we can be contagious, But you know, as they talk about the people on the front lines, and boy, I tell you, I just I admire the people who are out there giving their life for us. The Bible says that greater love has no one than this. Then they lay down their life for their friends, and we have people just laying down their life and going to work every day, not knowing what what today holds, and and what who's going to be out there, and they're still going to serve people, to help people, to work healing and and uh, uh, restoration towards people, and. So we love those people. And, you know, as I was listening to what they're doing there and and, uh, uh, listening to the shortage of personal protective equipment and how they're working to make those and, and utilize those and how they do those, it just came up in my heart. That, you know, it seemed like the Spirit of God was saying, you know, my people are on the front line. There's an invisible enemy out there as well. It's called Satan. The Bible says that he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's out there watching, listening, stalking, so to speak. He's looking for a strategy to work against you. It seemed like the Spirit of God said this. He said, I have provided personal protective equipment for my people. But many of them aren't wearing their personal protective equipment. Right now, it would seem strange if somebody would go in, a doctor would go in to treat someone and not have their mask, their suit on, knowing the dangers that that present themselves to them. It would seem odd that they would go in there without their protection. Yet, so many times, we as believers, we enter into every day without our God-given personal protective equipment. You know, Paul told Timothy this and. Second Timothy chapter 2, he said, Do you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? <coughs> Excuse me. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You know, we were talking about that this morning, that you take what you've learned and you share it with others also. He said, if you're going to do this, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a good soldier. In other words, he's saying, listen, if you know that you're in a battle, you don't get entangled, you don't get wound up in all these other distracting things. You focus on the things that are at hand. And when you focus on things that are at hand and you understand that you are really in a position you're in, A battle in many situations we don't understand what the battle is but we do understand that it's a spiritual battle I want to share with us tonight some things that like I said they may be uh, repetitious to you I know that first year Bible school just went through a study on Ephesians chapter 6 but I want to just take a few moments this will really just be more like a quick review this really uh, if it was a class that we were going to break down in great detail would be uh, take more sessions than this. And I guess if we don't get it done in one session, we'll pick up somewhere uh, else. But I want to start here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I want you to think about this. And I want, because these phrases are in the news on a regular basis, we're hearing about them, what I want to do is I want to plant something in our thinking. So that even if you're listening to the news and they're talking about people who are on the front lines and, and they're being supplied PPEs, personal protective equipment, that certainly you pray about that, you look at that, but you also think, what about my personal protective equipment? Do I have my personal protective equipment on? And you know, the Apostle Paul was using analogies of the present age when he was talking about this, in particular to the Ephesian church. And let's start here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I like the fact that he ends there with prayer. And we talk about people being on the the front lines. We want to be on the front lines. We've been praying every single day. We pray in the morning. We pray. I like that, that song, God is good in the morning, in the noon time, at night. We've been praying in the morning. We've been praying at noon. We've been praying at night. We've been praying for you. We've been praying for our nation. We're taking up the front lines in prayer. If we go out and we begin to share our faith, we're on the front lines. We're engaging things where the strategies of the enemy would try to throw us off, if we're endeavoring to gather our home together at this time, there'll be strategies that the enemy has mounted up against us, and so we want to be very cautious of that. As the Apostle Paul says, if we'll go ahead and put on the whole armor of God, you know, every bit of it, you know, the PPE that the hospital workers put on, and you know, if they put on the booties right there, and they said, you know what, I've got some personal protective booties that I put on over my feet. And they put those on, but they don't put their mask on. It wouldn't make much sense for them to go, oh, you know what, I don't know why I am not. I don't feel protected right now. I have on part of my personal protective equipment. But sometimes we do that. We say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and study the Word, and I'm going to put on the truth, but we, forgot to, we forget to put on the breastplate, or we forget to put on the helmet. And in order to stay protected from the strategies, the wiles of the enemy... We must put on the whole armor of God. It's all encompassing, just like they put on their gear to go into the hospital from head to toe. God has given us personal protective equipment that covers us from head to toe. It totally equips us to stand against the strategies that the enemy would mount up against us. And so he begins... This portion of scripture with be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. You know, sometimes we just try to, by willpower, work up strength. But this is a place where we have to understand that this strength in us is to come from the Lord. Paul prayed for the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 3. And he said, I pray for you that you'd be strengthened with all might in your inner man. I like what... The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and starting with verse 7, he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He calls it a treasure. He calls the power of God in him, the life of God in him, something to be treasured he takes an understanding of the value of the life of god that is within him in other words if you find a value in your new life in christ jesus it's worth protecting it's worth putting an armor to protect that he said that the excellence of the power may be of god and not of us listen to what this power does he said we're hard pressed on every side yet we are not crushed We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. What was he saying? He was saying there's a supernatural force to understand that when you're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, that what the power that's pushing out from the inside is greater than any force that's coming from the outside. As we said just a few weeks ago that we want to be strengthened in our inner man because it's the strong spirit of a man that sustains him in bodily harm and trouble. Even now we want to understand that the power of God to be strong in our spirit man, that there's more coming from the inside than the outside. First John says this, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Whatever's going on in the world, it may look like coronavirus, it may look like the economy, it may look like all kinds of things are going on, but I'm just telling you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so when Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, he's saying that all that God has provided for you. Peter says it like this, he said, God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He has provided the PPE that we need to be protected against the strategies of the enemy. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He says that we must know our adversary. He said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. When we hear news from different places, when we have different struggles... You know, we've gone in, I've seen a number of people just, you hear reports and they're not used to being at home with their kids and they're like, wow, this is just, this is something new and the tension that comes from it. But you know, the tension that comes from it, trying to divide you, trying to create anger uh, uh, and, and anxiety there, it's not coming from your kids. It may look like it, but it's not. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's not your husband, it's not your wife. You may say, oh, you don't know my husband and you don't know my wife. It's them. But listen, God says right here, there's a strategy of the enemy to work on your marriage, to work on your family. There's a strategy to get into your head about the things that are going on. And God has said, clothe yourself and be ready. But why would you be ready? Because you understand that I am not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And the good news about that we've shared just in in times past, the good news about that is once you locate your enemy, then you go back to what Paul said just chapters before, that Jesus, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that miracle-working power also raised him, But it also raised him and seated him in a place of authority far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, every name that is named. And then he goes on in chapter 2 to say that he raised us up and seated us in heavenly places with him. Which means what? We've been seated far above those principalities, power, might, and dominion. So he says once we realize that we're strong in the Lord, our strength comes from that inward Man, that strengthening of the spirit of our of God in our inner man, when we realize that our adversary is not the people or the situations around us but the enemy and we have authority over him, then we begin to understand we can handle this. God has given us what we need to stand against whatever strategy that he would mount against us. and so he gives us the understanding of what we have, and so he starts off with The very first of our personal protective equipment. And he says that you're going to have to gird yourself with the belt of truth. The belt of truth. You know, there's many facts being put out there. There's many statistics being brought to us on a daily basis. But all the things that we hear, all the facts that we hear, we need to begin to bring out and bring through the truth of God's word. Psalms 119 verse 60 says this, it says, The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. The entirety of his word is truth. You may say, it doesn't look like this is happening right now. But when we look at it and we understand the truth of God's word, that he is our shield, our buckler, our rock, our fortress, it's in him that we put our trust. No sickness or plague will come near our dwelling place. And we begin to look at that and say, listen, these things are out there, but I have a covenant with God. I am dwelling With God in the secret place, I'm dwelling under the shadow of his wings. This cannot come near me. You say, wait a minute, it seems to be getting pretty close. It seems to be across town. But we begin to filter that through the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ. John, the 17th chapter. The 17th verse, Jesus is speaking here. He says, sanctify them or set them apart or make them holy by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So there's something in relying upon the truth that sets us apart. There's something when people look at you and you say, listen, I'm I'm taking in the facts. I'm not just sticking my head in the sand, but I'm taking that And I'm allowing the truth of God to penetrate, the truth of God to reveal things to me so that I can be on the truth. Not just what others are saying, not just what's being presented, but set my life on the truth of what God has said about me. John, the 8th chapter, the 32nd verse says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's a good time to dig into what God is saying about our situation, what he's saying about our time, and what he has said about us. For his word is truth. And here Paul says we need to put on this protective equipment. Why? Why is the truth such a a piece of armor? Why is the truth such a, a, a protective piece of a garment that we are supposed to put on? Because Jesus said that the devil is a liar, and he's the father of it. He knows how to lie. He knows how to deceive. He's a master deceiver. In fact, his whole power, the power of darkness, is is really to deceive you, to keep you in the dark. And when he finds out you don't actually know the truth of God's word, he'll begin to move around that. He'll begin to situate himself in a position to begin to deceive you to bring destruction into your life. To deceive you. Sometimes people hear news Uh, a, a news broadcast about facts, and all of a sudden, because they don't know the truth, they're riddled with anxiety and stress about what might happen. But God said, I don't want you ruled by the anxiety and stress that something that is not even true, something that is not even going to take place in your life, would worry you, would stress you out day after day, would cause you to alter your life when it's not even true. The belt of truth is so incredibly important for us to put on that we might stay walking in the truth, that our life might be governed by the truth of God's word and not just a report that comes from day to day. The news is ever changing. I don't know if you have noticed that or not, but in especially the last six weeks, every single day. We get a different report about something different. The changes that take place, the changes that will need to take place. So the news that you're hearing, even the facts that they present to you sometimes change as they learn more. But thank God, the Word of God remains forever and ever and ever. His Word is forever settled in heaven. And so the next place, and you have to understand this that all of these pieces of this personal protective equipment, it overlaps one another. If you don't have them fitted together, if they don't overlap one another, you have a chink in your armor, so to speak, or you have a gap where the enemy can find that. And so when he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness, your, your breastplate of righteousness, that which protects all of your internal organs, that which really protects the knowledge of who you are in Christ spiritually is 100% connected to your knowledge of the truth. And so he says, put on this breastplate of righteousness. And that breastplate of righteousness really is this understanding that I am in a right relationship with God. How important is it right now to know that through the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I were made righteous? That through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we are sons and daughters of God. That no matter what comes down the pike, we're his kids. (laughs) I mean, he's given us a spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I just know this. I have my girls. They're grown. They're out of the house. My youngest is married. But you know what? If there's any way that I can help them and protect them, they're my kids. I want to bless them. I want to help them. I want to instruct them. I want to guide them if I can. We are children of God. And not of what we've done, but because of who he is and what Jesus has done for us. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that. That he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen to this, I love the way the New Living Translation brings about some understanding of righteousness. In the the New King James, it talks about justification. But here in the New Living Translation of Romans chapter 3, starting verse 21, it really talks about right relationship, which is righteousness. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And, there is, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone is sinned; We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then? That we have done anything to be accepted by God, no. Because we are Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith, and not by obeying the law. See, the enemy will come, and he will say, "Wait a minute! You haven't done good enough. You've made too many mistakes." Listen, this stuff is a big problem for you, and it's time to say, no, I have on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm right with God. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. I've put my trust in Jesus Christ, not in my own strength, my own ability, how I can control the situations around me, but I've come to the foot of the cross, and I've allowed him to pay for my sin and bring me through to a newness of life, and now I have a new life in that I am right with God. My relationship is firm. I know whose I am. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. See, the enemy will come and try to get you confused with who you are and whose you are. But when you put on the breastplate of righteousness, his personal protective equipment guards all those places of your soul and your emotion and your heart, those heart things, and you say, you know what? I've been made right with God. I'm not going to allow you access into my heart through condemnation and doubt and fear because of what I have done in the past. I belong to him. I belong to him. The third piece of, piece of personal protective equipment are the shoes of peace. I'm telling you, peace is such a, a powerful... I mean, he puts it on our feet, and I believe that he shows this. We'll see this in just a moment. But he puts peace, the shoes of peace, because the incredible power that peace has, the incredible authority that peace has over any strategy of the enemy. The enemy's always trying to stir stuff up. He's kind of a pot stirrer, right? He'll take some information. He'll take just a look that somebody gives you. He'll take a little bit of news about something and try to get us all shook up, all stressed out, all worried about stuff. When you realize that peace has so much authority in our life. In the Bible, in the New Testament, it comes from two fronts. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. In other words, that word justified means being made righteous. He said, therefore, having been made righteous we know, by faith, we know that we have peace with God. That's what we've just been talking about. The truth lets us know that we're righteous. Our righteousness lets us know that we have peace with God. And when we know that we have peace with God, we can have the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says this, be anxious, take anxiety for nothing. We've said this before, God does not want anxiety and stress to govern the decision making of your life or even the course of your life. He didn't just say this to go, well, I don't know why he's asking me to not be anxious, does he not understand my life? He totally understands the pressures that come. He totally understands with all the news that is out there. That it would be very easy to let anxiety and stress begin to control the outcome of tomorrow and the next day. But he says, don't do that. Understand that I've given you my word to declare to you who I am, who you are, what I've done for you. That you might know that you are my son and my daughter, that you are made righteous. That you and I now aren't at odds with one another, but we are at peace with one another. And if we're at peace with one another, I want you to live In peace, knowing that. So he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So we know that when we have peace with God, then we become possessors of the peace of God. In Colossians Chapter 3, verse 15, Paul said to the Colossian church, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God be the umpire. Don't let stress control your life, but let the peace of God call the shots in your life where you find peace through the word of God, through your relationship with God. Let that be the protective equipment against the stress that would try to attack your life. I love Romans 16. Verses 19 and 20, he says this, he says, For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil and the God of peace. I love that. He said, listen, during this time, don't focus on all the negative things and the evil things that could happen, but be simple towards those things. Just understand they exist, but don't let them blow out of proportion. But magnify God. Be wise to what is good. All these things about righteousness and the truth, be wise to those. And the God of all peace will crush Satan. Where? Under your feet. Under those shoes of peace. The shoes of your peace are an incredible personal protective equipment. He goes on for the next piece of personal protective equipment. He says... Take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith. If we're not careful, we think that that just means this is more important than anything. But actually, more literally, he says, listen, you've got this equipment on. But he says, take that shield of faith. He says, out in front of everything, put your faith. Put your faith out in front of everything, right? Let your faith in God's word lead you and guide you. I love what Romans chapter 4, verse 19 through 22 says, talking of our father Abraham. He is the father of our faith, and it says this about him. He said, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, and he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. In other words, he did not consider the present circumstance. But he got faith out in front of him. He said, my present circumstance looks like this. But I know that my future is in God's hand. And so he strengthened himself in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was well able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Listen, Abraham had this relationship with God. That as he believed God for his future, God said, this strengthens our relationship. God's made promises to you. I know that he has. He's made promises in his word. He's declared things over your life. He's declared things over this year as you were at the beginning of the year praying about the future. You say, listen, this doesn't look like what I was praying about. This doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. And the enemy's trying to take things right now and shoot fiery darts to discourage you from your future but we take our faith in God and we do just like Abraham and we raise it up like a shield and we say listen I know that the present circumstance doesn't look great but I know my God I know what he said in his truth I have that firmly affixed I know that I am his son and his daughter I'm in right relationship with him I have peace with my situation. And so I glorify God because God has already declared my future. And Jeremiah says, he declares, I know the thoughts that I have for you, they are of a future and a hope or a hope for the future, a desired outcome. And if God has a, future that has hope and expectation in it for me then I believe that he's well able to perform that which he's promised. So our faith works against the discouragement of the day and causes us to have vision for the future. And not only vision for the future but it quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. So it has to be out in front. It has to be a declaration that we believe God. That we're convinced that he's able to do for my benefit everything that he says in his word that he will do. You know that woman with the issue of blood in Mark, the fifth chapter. She had faith in God. Her present circumstance was that she had no hope of living. But when she heard about Jesus, she started to declare her future. She put up the shield of faith The fiery darts of the enemy were saying, listen, you're not getting better. You're getting worse. In fact, you're just going to die soon. But when she heard about Jesus, she made a declaration of faith. She said, you know what? If I can just touch the hem of his garment, which was saying what? He's not here right now. I'm speaking of a time to come that I purpose that I will find him. I will touch the hem of his garment and I will be made whole. And she pressed out into her future. She put her faith out in front of her. Even when she got into that crowd of distraction and people were bumping and moving and trying to get in her way. And she had to say, listen, I'm putting up that shield of faith. These people, this circumstance will not stop me from getting to my future health. And my future health is in that man, Jesus Christ. She put her faith out there. And when she made contact with Jesus, he stopped. And he looked at her and he said, your faith, your faith has made you whole. That shield of faith is so important to protect what God has declared about your future and keep you in position for that right now. That you don't begin to doubt your future because of the present circumstance, but you declare what God has said about your future and you hold fast to it. All right, I need to keep moving here can't tell if you all are with me or not, but my cameramen are with me. I know that. He goes on to say this, put on the helmet of salvation. That helmet of salvation, we know that the enemy will always come to attack your mind, that your mind is the arena of faith. You can say, I know that I'm righteous. I study the word. I, I do my best to stay in peace. I'm believing God. But the enemy, how does he get all those things uh, uh, adjusted wrongly? How does he get you to set down your shield of faith? How does he get you to get anxious about things? He starts getting into your head. Yeah, you might think that you have that, but listen to what happened over there, and listen to how this is growing. Listen to how this is spreading. Listen to what's going to happen. Listen, if this keeps going on, how are you ever going to make it? And you start listening to that, it gets into your head. So he said you need to put on the helmet of salvation. And not be, Romans 12, 2 says, and not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now is not a time to let your mind, as Alan said this morning, to listen to that half hour news over and over and over and over again until your mind is just filled up with what might happen. But it's time to say, okay, I know those facts, but what I'm going to listen to over and over, what I'm going to meditate on day and night and night and day, just like the Lord told Joshua, take this word, be strong, be very courageous, meditate in it day and night, mull it over, uh, work it over in your life so that this word begins to cause you to see success and understand that you are walking in success with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says that in this we cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I know that we say that we know this, we understand this, we've heard it, Pastor Mark, we've heard this, grab those thoughts. But are we grabbing those thoughts and casting them down? Or are we allowing them residence in our thought life? We need to cast them down, put on that helmet of salvation. The knowledge that you are saved. You're not just going to heaven someday, but Jesus Christ came to save you to the uttermost. You are saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole, and prospered. Salvation was a complete work as Jesus performed it, paid for it, and saw it in our life. It was a complete Work, not just a ticket to heaven, but a complete work of transformation to bring deliverance and healing and wholeness and strength and protection and safety into our lives. And if the enemy can't get you to ponder on it and think about it and worry about it, he can't get victory over your life concerning it. And so we take control over our. Thought life. That helmet is such a personal, protective piece of equipment. When we know that our thoughts so begin to have an impact on governing our life. And the last piece of protective, personal protective equipment is the sword of the Spirit. Which is the Word of God. See, we put on that belt of truth, we learn of the Word, we read the Word, we know that it's truth, but there's something important about knowing the Word of God, but there's something even more important about being able to unleash the Word of God out of our mouth. Romans chapter 10 verse 8 says, But what does it say? The Word is near you, it is in your heart and in your mouth. That is the Word of faith which we preach. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. When you study the Word and it gets down in your heart, And it becomes a part of your being and comes out of our mouth. We begin to declare and agree with God. Where any two are agreed on any one thing that they touch, it will be done by the Father which is in heaven. Listen, that agreement with the word of God is so important for our life. When he says you're healed, we agree that we're healed. When he says you're delivered, we agree that we're delivered. When he says I've made you whole, we agree with that. We let that come out of our mouth. Job said when you declare a thing, it is established. The enemy has very much trouble dealing with a believer that will speak the word with confidence out of their mouth. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever declares to this thing, just as in Zechariah, when he was talking about Zerubbabel, he says, to this mountain, you shout grace to this mountain. Right? There's just something about declaring the Word of God from your mouth that comes from your innermost being as you've implanted the Word of God in your heart and you declare it with faith that it is a creative, powerful force to push back forces of darkness and really penetrate the heart of the one that is attacking you rather than allowing your heart to be penetrated by lying words. According to Hebrews, the fifth chapter, we are, supposed to be, we are supposed to become skillful in the use of the word of God. And so we want to look and know how to declare a word and have it be established. Once again, I know this may be a review for some of you, but I felt like just these phrases and understanding. And if we're not fully clothed in the armor of God, we have those areas. It would be like doctor or nurse going into the hospital and just having a mask on or just having their booties on. If we just say we're looking at one piece, well, I have that. But if we can remember every time we hear that, just take a check. How am I doing with putting the truth in my heart? How am I doing with that breastplate of righteousness? How am I doing with the shoes of peace and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit? Because God has given them to us just like they're working very hard to equip the people on the front lines right now with personal protective equipment. So God has seen to it that in our battle against our enemy, he's given us personal protective equipment. If you're with us tonight, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You say, I want to be protected. I want to Know that I'm righteous. I want to know what God has done for me. I want to have this kind of peace. I want to know that I'm saved, healed, delivered, set free, made made to prosper. This is one simple thing to understand and believe in Jesus Christ. Just as we said and read from Romans chapter 3 in the New Living Translation, that it's not by anything that we could do or achieve to or attain of our own works, but it's believing that Jesus paid the price for your sin so you could be forgiven and enter into a relationship with God and that relationship that loving relationship begins to empower you and equip you to live life according to your divine destiny and purpose so i just want to give you this opportunity we don't know who all will see this or or view this or who whose heart will be stirred so if If your heart is stirred and saying, you know what? I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I've never done that before. Just pray with me. Say, Father God, I come to you right now. Knowing that I can't keep doing things my own way. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe That Jesus was born into the earth, that he died for my sin, and that you raised him from the dead so that I could become a son or a daughter of God. So tonight, I confess Jesus as the Lord of my life. I give my life to you, Jesus, because you've given your life for me. Thank you for forgiving me, saving me, and bringing me into a relationship with God. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we believe that you become a child of God. You've been born again. If you did that, we would love for you to go onto our app, onto the online church tile. Check in there and, and mark the place where... You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We want to just send you some information that will help you begin to walk this wonderful life out with him as your Savior. Thank you for doing that. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here tonight. I believe that. I just trust that that word blessed you and equipped you, strengthened you to go through the week. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus Jesus? far exceeds Any any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Make it a great week.